episode 20 of zapped to the past i am adrian mills and i am joined as always by graham raddings if you haven't listened before this is a podcast where we discuss games that were released for the commodore 64 last week we looked at our first batch of games from issue 10 of zap 64 which we are in no way affiliated with and we bounced along happily with bounder we ran riot in the vietnamese jungle in rambo and found ourselves ossified with boredom from outlaws In episode 20, which covers the very cold and dry month of February 1986, we're going to be concluding our look at the game from issue 10 of Zap64, along with what was going on at cinema and on TV that month. Graham, tell us exactly what we have coming up. In this chunky knitted jumper of an episode, we dive headfirst into the monster-filled mine caves of the Eidolon, wash our bloody hands with Friday the 13th, and get to grips with the keyboard-controlled driving simulation that is Revs. We also explore the first film soundtrack to game license with Blade Runner, get strategic with tanks with Desert Fox, gasp in abject pixelated horror at One Bike Too Deep and the vacuous Space Pilot 2, leaving just enough room for Zorro. (laughs) Super Trooper! Let's move things along and take a look at our first game. And that first game is this issue's other gold medal. That game is the Eidolon. Uh, so the Eidolon, got another 97%, uh, same as Bounder, in fact, uh, which we looked at last week. So what is the Eidolon? The Eidolon is the fourth game in the first four games released from Lucasfilm Games. So we've had Rescue on Fractalis, we've had Coronas Rift, we've had Ball Blazer, and now we have the Eidolon. So the Eidolon is 3D fractal cave game set deep within your mind as you explore caves um, inside the Eidolon, which is a craft uh, in a kind of a nod to the Fantastic Voyage, which allows you to travel and traverse the deep inner recesses of your mindscape and see what giant dragons and creatures lie at the base of your id. It's the product of basically, in Victorian times, the story goes in Victorian times, some professor guy who shut himself away from polite society in a laboratory discovered a way to transport himself into the depths of his own consciousness or subconscious and find out what was going on down there. A hundred years later, Lucasfilm have unearthed this and managed to code this into a replica version of this, which allows you to journey into the depths of your own mind or something. That's that's the plot. There you go. So what this game is, in, in essence, and I'm just going to come out and say this, this is one of the very, 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 very first first-person shooters. Mm-hmm. Let's not let's not beat around the bush. You're in first person. You're traveling around no, caves. You shoot. It is. You shoot stuff. <laughs> that's what it is. It's a first-person shooter. The cleverness of this game sort of thing, and it is pretty clever sort of thing, is like, whereas with uh, Rescue on Fractalis, whereas with uh, Coronas Rift, they use the fractal graphics to create big open landscapes for you to traverse around. 
here they've used it to sort of enclose you to create a, a, a pretty fast moving 3D cave. Yes, it's it's grey. I'm not going to get away from that. The, the insides of your mind are very grey. And so what you do is there are these, there are supposedly only seven levels. We'll, we'll come to that in a moment uh, that you must traverse inside your, your craft. So your main viewpoint is a 3D viewpoint looking out the sort of the front window of your Eidolon, which is this kind of round, round sort of very Victorian time. What's the what's the time machine type contraption yeah. Um, yeah. That, that you move around sort of thing? So you you move around these caves using your joystick forward, back, and you can turn left and right. So, so far, so simple. You use your fire button to fire orbs. You have four different orbs, which uh, have four different colors. You have red, yellow, green uh, and blue red are your basic elemental ammo yellow allow you to destroy the red ones and collect them blue freezes time green is just uh, the one in between those two i'm not sure what green does as you progress through these caverns you'll come across creatures and the main creature at the end of each level is this is a big dragon okay so this is and when i say a big dragon for the commodore 64 this is a big dragon a really well animated well-designed nice dragon so he's facing you the problem is to awaken this dragon you've got to collect three gems that are located around the caverns which are uh, red i think it's just red green and blue i think the three the three colors you got to collect those gems are held uh, are guarded by various denizens um of the uh, of the cave so they can be little sort of little fly type things they can be little troll things there are sort of big bugaboo type stuff there are all kinds of different kind of creatures so when you come across them when you get too close to them they will kind of the power from your eidolon craft will awaken them um, and then you must pound them into dust by shooting red red orbs at them until they die don't fire too many because the red orbs will bounce off the cave and damage you and you've only got a certain amount of energy absorbing any other of these crystal gem things that are sort of floating about within the caves will give you energy back so you've got to you, you know you've got to be careful if you stay too close to the, the creatures they will drain your ship of energy and just shove you back to the start of the level so for you to try and repeat and try and complete it again once you've collected all three you can head off to the dragon which is and you can find your way around the the caves quite nicely with a, a if anyone remembers the you know the old game thing where you would hide something in a room and you would go hunting for it and the person would say you're hot or you're getting hotter you're getting colder if you're getting further away from it it uses a similar sort of thing to that you have a you have basically you have a needle which goes from cold to hot the hotter it gets the closer you are to the dragon so you can know which if you're heading the right way because it can be quite uh, you know a little bit easy to get turned around in these caves when you lock the dragon blast away until you destroy it progress to the next level now what happens is it each each dragon becomes progressively harder the creatures become harder the caverns become bigger there's more orbs flying around the place and the dragons require more higher level orbs to destroy so the second one requires the yellow orbs to destroy the fourth second, third one the green then the blue you get multiple heads on them and sometimes they require different colors to destroy them the problem is every time you shoot them you run out of energy so You've got to be hammering on the spacebar. This is one point where actually hammering on the spacebar is okay because you're generally not moving and hammering on the spacebar at the same time. So you can be firing and pressing the spacebar. It kind of works all right because the, it was, it's worked into the way that it controls. You can see there's actually some thought given to this. You, you know, the whole point is to progress through the seven layers down to the lowest level. If you get to the eighth level, if you get past the seventh dragon, you get to a, a level set completely in darkness. And the final dragon at the end of that is basically there's no creatures. You just got to progress through these corridors till you get to the final dragon. I'm not going to ruin what that is. This is, to me, one of, and I'll just come straight out and say this. I'll come out now. This is one of my favorite games on the Commodore 64. Always has been from the moment I played it. I didn't get that big impression. Big dragons. <laughs> I know. Sorry. 
I love this game. I still love this game. It's very clever. It plays well. It moves fast for what it is. It's just, you know, we talked about this. This is in the sort of league as Forbidden, Beyond Forbidden Forest, Forbidden Forest, Scarabaeus. It has atmosphere. It has a feel to it. It, it. it feels like it's doing something that the Commodore 64 probably wasn't supposed to be doing. It feels like this is a step beyond. And at the time, I just remember being absolutely, you know, engrossed in this strange world that was being presented to me. Because remember, this is back then. First-person shooters were not a thing. You know, they're, they're not a thing back in 1986. So for me, you know, looking back at this now and trying to take a step back, yeah, it's a bit samey. I can understand that. And yes, it can be a bit, you can get lost quite easily within the caves. There's not really that much to do. Um, but kind of like Scarabaeus before it, sort of thing, it's that emptiness, it's that openness, it's that, that that confidence in its game sort of thing just to go, here you go, there's a place, there's some things in here, we're not going to overload you, it's going to let you play it, uh, that kind of works for me. I love this, I still love this. I, I don't know if I could be really impartial on this. Um, I know you're probably not as up on this as I am, so what did you think you, you'd say? Uh, otherwise, there's, there's going to be like an hour and a half of me saying how good the Eidolon is. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and I get, I get that you, you get that you like it, and I can understand... The reasons why I get that there's enemy types, greps, uh, is it biter birds, bottlenecks, rotorflies? Oh, there's all, all, all kinds, yeah, all yeah. All sorts of strange things that are lighting the dragons. The dragons are big, the graphics are big. Let me just say there are two things to this game. So firstly, the technical point of view, very clever, very clever indeed. I don't actually see this as a progression from Fra Rescue and Fractalus and, and Cronus Rift because I think this is actually not as good as either of those, but that's my own view. I think it is. It is the probably the first person, sh the first first person shooter. I think more likely. I think I don't think I can't think of any other game like it. And that is to its credit. So on a technical game idea made into something real front, it's totally unique and it stands completely out there. And what can you say really? There's kind of been a build up to something like it. I don't think it's as good as the as any of the other games. I think they're all kind of an experiment using the same engine with different kind of things. There's nothing wrong with that, but that's what kind of what they are. But for me, personally, I think it's boring. I think it's I think it's boring. <laughs> I think it's wandering around caves looking for something to do, and it's dull. And I think when you do find things to do, they're not that exciting. And it's the same thing over and over again. And I think technically, mm -hmm. as great as that is, it's boring. Now that says more about the kind of games I like to play because I don't think that back in 1985 I was ready for a first-person shooting game. And, and I think that's kind of stuck with me. I quite like, and even to this day, I like third-person games. I do. If, if I mm -hmm. go back to the games that I really, 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 really like, and I'm going beyond C64 territory here, so God of War 2 is one of my favourite games of all time, and games of that ilk. There's a reason why I like that point of view. There's a reason why I enjoy that kind of placement in the camera. I like first-person shooter games, I do. And Half-Life 2 is one of my favourites. And, and there's many games that come later down the line, which I came to enjoy for very different reasons, but not necessarily because they were first person, but because they had more trappings of something else. Bigger worlds, bigger graphics, bigger things, bigger people, bigger characters. I get that this is a technical marvel, and it is, and there's no denying that. And I think, I personally think LucasArts made better games than this by miles. By a country mile, they made better games than this. But you've got to admire the, te the, the technique and the, the boldness to release a first-person shooter in 1986, right? That's incredible. Mm -hmm. It's truly incredible. It didn't appeal to me. And when I replayed this, and I went in this with a completely open mind, because unlike you, I hadn't played the Eidolon, really, 
at all, maybe maybe twice. I came at this really wanting to like it, but I found I had the same problem with this on replay that I had with Rescue and Fractalis and with Cronus Rift. I just didn't like it. I didn't like the kind of viewpoint, didn't like the graphic style, don't like sort of the sort of the fractally kind of nature of it. I get the guy, kind of genius behind it. I just don't, I just, it just didn't, I didn't dig it. Didn't, it didn't appeal mm-hmm. to me. It's just not my thing. And I kind of, I've, and a bit like you were with the Spy versus Spy games, when you can, you kind of came to a realization that you were like, you know what, <laughs> yeah. you know what, these, these might be great for some people, uh-huh. but they're never going to reach me. They're never going to get to me. Um, and I don't know why. And I think for me, actually, I like Scarabaeus more than any of these games, but they kind of all fall into the same category. I think I actually prefer. LucasArts games, when they are more like Man- Maniac Mansion, Zack McCracken and the Alien Mindbenders, I much prefer that game designer. I forget his name now because he's the guy that and that sort of genus of team behind those. That's my LucasArts kind of games. But I totally understand that you dig these kind of first-person shooters because you later and you played far more of the genus of these games later down the line than I did because I came, I took a big hiatus from gaming, didn't play a lot of games for a long time, then mm-hmm. came back into it on, on games on your recommendation halo and things like that mm-hmm. so i can see why this game really appeals to you because it those games have always appealed to you and i get that i think and i imagine there's a lot of views out there there's a lot of people out there that would really embrace the eidolon for what it is which is genuinely innovative crazy technical it moves at a fair pace i mean don't get me wrong the game itself if if, if that's your thing you're going to have a good time with it it just doesn't speak to me and I've come to that realization with it, and I was like, you know what? It was it was a weird epiphany. All of this time, I've been thinking I should really like this game, but then I felt the same about Elite. I should have really liked Elite. I don't. I don't like it. The Eidolon. I don't really like Scarabaeus. I don't really like Rescue and Fractures that much. I don't like Corona's <laughs> Rift. They're okay. Technically, they're they're okay, and there's some good stuff in there. They're just not the games for me. But in there, there is cleverness and you can't you can't walk away from that can you 1986 the first person shooter game on c64 and i have to say then there is something there's a final comment there are not many first person shooting games on the commodore 64 so that tells you how technically crazy this game was because later down the line mm-hmm. when there's an opportunity to make games like it and um, when they learned more technique and more clever programmy stuff on the commodore 64 and later down the line they obviously programmers get really crazy clever with it they still haven't really tackled this one the old first person shooter have they it's an amazing technical achievement in 1986. Just wasted on me, I'm afraid. But you've slept like a baby, haven't you, since that realisation? <laughs> Just like I did after Spy vs. Spy realisation. Like, I, was, I was like, oh. I would hate people to listen to what I've said and walk away thinking, wow, he hated that game. I don't hate the game. I admire the game. I just wish it. I wish I was the kind of person that it would reach. It just doesn't. I much prefer, give me, you know, if you gave me the Eidolon or Rambo, I'm afraid I'm going to go for Rambo every time. That says more about me. And the kind of games I like, but that's that's just the way it's all, or any of that, or Who Dares Wins too. I like that kind mm-hmm. of distance from my player and the controls that that represents. First person games only really get good for me when we're heading down Bioshock Avenue and when we're heading down Half Life Two, you know, road much later down the line. And that isn't because they're first person either. And even when I've played the most recent first person games, the Half Life Alexes with VR, you know what? I, l- I like them and they're amazing environments to be a part of, but give me God of War 2 or any of those games like that. It was you that introduced me to that, by the way. 
give me any of those games and I, I'm, I prefer it. But that's just, you know what? It's down to gamer type, right? That's just, that's genuinely down to the kind of person, the games you like. Can I, can I, rec- if, I if I'm going to recommend a, a, a recent first person shooter for you to try, if you want to go try one, go play Titanfall 2. Everybody, if you, I think you would really dig Titanfall 2 because it does very different things to a typical first person shooter. We're getting off C64 stuff here. Do you know what my enemy is now? My enemy isn't the getting into these games. My enemy is time. Titanfall 2 is about five, six hours. It's a quick campaign. I don't have the time to sit and no, play, play them in the way that I used to. But do you know what? I sit and vicariously enjoy it with my. I've got, a, you know, I've got, a, it's not even a teenager anymore. I've got a 20 year old son and a 12 year old circa 15 year old son mm-hmm. yeah like you have with your son but all gamers and they i vicariously enjoy what they play really now because i kind of watch them i don't have the twitch speed controls required to play the games that they play <laughs> in the way that they do and i kind of watch it watch them do it so i've been watching them play a couple of the newer games coming out but they're completely over my head um it's weird <laughs> they are you know I, the premises are so complex and there's so much to them and there's and they operate in so many crazy levels. I'm just, my brain's not wired that way. I used to know what it was, and then they changed what it was. And now it seems weird and scary. There's a reason why I like God of War 2 or God of War games, because I'm just running around smashing stuff up. That works for That's me. That's true. And you know that what? True. That's why I like Ghosts and Goblins, but that will come later. <laughs> so there you go. Uh, probably longer than I re- longer than necessary on my over-explanation, mansplaining, really, around the Eidolon. But I, I can see why you love it. I can see it. I just don't myself and it's kind of a weird epiphany to reach and uh, it's a bit heartbreaking really but because considering how much effort must have gone into the creation of but that really, game every, everybody loves their own nobody loves all kinds of games and just, we can't, i really you know, wanted want, to like it <laughs> really really wanted to it is i think it's like i said i find it hard because i played so much of this so you know i, I com- completed this back back then i've completed it repeatedly i could get all the way through it kill the final dragon on level eight and everything like that and it, that was some challenge that final dragon on level eight is some challenge because um, you know, because of what you got to do. But I could manage it, and I could do it because the game, some reason, some ways, it's sort of weird, fantastical elements. It's it's aloneness, it's aloofness, it's it's you know, it, it it's illusion to just being about something other than just running around and f- trying to find things like everyone's a Wally and stuff like that. There was there was something about this, you know, and and it, I put in my thing is you know, it's just a, it's like a nod to Fantastic Voyage and stuff like that by traveling around inside your own mind and your own body. There was just something sort of weirdly sci-fi, you know, Jules Verne about it that really sort of just seemed like there was a bit more thought into this than I would give it. And, and I can completely understand that when you actually boil it down to its core elements, you travel around some grey caverns, hit spacebar every now and again, shoot a couple of couple of enemies and press spacebar a bit more. There's not much more to it. And I completely, 100%, it would bore many people to tears, this game. I get it completely. But for some reason, and I think whether it's the fantasy elements, whether whatever it is, whether it's the, I don't know, it, it, it speaks to something in me and always has done. Um, and going, going back to it now speaks just as strongly. I can't disassociate. It's, I wanted to try and disassociate myself from it. But I just found it impossible, and I have to be honest about that. Sorry, no, no. Just do it no, no. I think you know there are games that reach and and get into your soul, and they reach you. Or there are, and there's games later down the line with the C sixty four that really do it the same thing for me. And it behooves us to have to explain ourselves, really, because sometimes there's just you know like a music album, like a film, like a game. There are things that just 
reach into you and they they tick the boxes and they can't be unticked and that's just the way that your body and your mind and everything else works and and Eidolon is that for you and that's that is very cool and I'm sure you know there'll be other things that happen as well but it, it's what one of the great things about video games and about especially about Commodore 64 with having such a massive archive of games to be able to look at is that there are games in there that do that and I found that quite mm-hmm. fascinating that even after 35 years it has that hold on you because Mm. Without you, well, not actually, with, not without you realizing, with you completely realizing it, this set you up for the kind of game you were going to enjoy forever. And it still does, you know. The, the first, there's no accident that the first games you showed me on my return to video game playing on a more regular basis were the first person shoot was like Halo, of which you were absolutely evangelical about at the time. Probably <laughs> yeah, still are. I was, yeah, I was a bit. I remember that time at the pub with me, you and Paddy. Yeah, but I, but I yeah, get yeah. it. You know what? I get it. When I played Halo, I, I could totally get it. And this isn't a podcast about the Xbox and about Halo or anything like that, but I get it. In a different world, the Eidolon is your Halo for the C64, and that's totally cool. I, I get it. I mean, it was always going to be a... I think it was always going to be a different strokes for different folks, I think, for this yes. one sort of thing. But it will, it will either grab you or it might not. I don't know. It's hard to sort of say. And I think, should we just move on? Yeah, to move on to something it. rubbish? Let's move on to something rubbish, which you can probably both agree on. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, let's move on to our next game. And that game is Domark's. You know, we thought they'd hit pretty low with View to a Kill. <sighs> and now they come out with Friday the 13th. So, uh. They're not making any friends Graham. around here, are they? <laughs> no, Graham, tell us. Tell us, uh, Friday the 13th, the game. Tell us all about it. Friday the 13th, the game is based essentially on Friday the 13th, the film. Friday the 13th is about a series of murders that happen in uh, Crystal Lake, Camp Crystal Lake, to a load of teenagers who go to camp there during their holiday. And in the context of the film, there is a crazy killer going around that kills them. And as it turns out in the film, the person, a guy called Jason Voorhees, was killed, died because of some moronic behaviour and drowned in Camp Crystal Lake, the lake. And his mother seeks revenge on those would-be campers that would dare to stay there. That's the film. Plot of the game kind of follows the film. The difference being that you are a blocky representation of a person with, I think, 10 other blocky (laughs) representations of people. The idea of the game is that you have to find different weapons, run around in a flick screen, repetitively blocky landscape of places that have inexplicable ways in and out because it just doesn't, doesn't even matter. So you you basically wander around picking up different weapons. The idea of the game is you find Jason and kill him before he kills you and everyone else you're there with, all the 10 people. You can run around picking up different weapons. So there's knives, axes, chainsaws. That's the principle of the game. You run around, find Jason, kill him before he kills you. That's the game. So why did it score 13% with Zap? Well, I can tell you because it's rubbish. It's rubbish. (laughs) Graphics are blocky, badly rendered sprites on a repetitive, annoying landscape that makes no sense it's meant to be a rendered blocky map version of the camp crystal lake but in actuality it's just a series of random locations that have some kind of map bearing on each other that makes no sense really you go into a building from the top and suddenly you're coming out of it at the bottom and just none of the controls make a lot of sense i didn't find jason and i wandered around a lot and jason i think killed one of the people that there was you're not protecting them really you're just trying to find jason before he kills people so it's kind of a weird reversal of the film because the film isn't about people in camp crystal lake trying to find jason before he kills them the film is about jason slash his mother 
killing the people in the lake because of whatever. Forget all that. <laughs> this is just a poor licensed game with a badly created subplot around the kind of film-ish with NAF graphics. It doesn't have any horror in it, and you could have put horror in it, but that would have made it interesting at least. But it doesn't really have any, so the only horrific thing left is the actual game itself, which is just rubbish. I didn't enjoy it at all, and I quite like Friday the 13th, so I was annoyed yet again by a waste of a license, because there's a lot of mileage in the slasher movie turned game. But like I've said, with Rambo, this was a adult film. This was not an adult film, that sounds rude. Like a, it wasn't a porno film. This no, was a yeah, horror yeah. film circa R18 slash 18 rated. So the audience for the game is people that had heard about Friday the 13th and maybe seen a couple of clips. Hence the reason why the game is a preamble around stuff that doesn't really pertain to the film. Rubbish. What a waste of time. And for 895, a genuine bona fide ripoff. So go and watch the film. Don't waste your time with this. What about you? Yeah, yeah. I'm not going to argue with any of that. Um, I hate the film as well. The, I watched the film, the, the original film great, recently. It? Something. It's, a, it's, it's, it's a film without plot. There's nothing to it. It's yeah. just ridiculous. It's a slasher movie. You don't need one, but it is pretty lame. Yeah, I've just put a game that's far more horrific than the films ever were for different reasons. It's Absolutely. awful. I put wander around dull, graphically crap screens trying to save sprites that randomly wander all over the place and try and work out who Jason is, which was never the point of the films as far as I can remember. No. It's pretty obvious the giant man in the ski mask was the killer. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the giveaway in the films. Um, the music, I'm surprised you haven't mentioned the music. Screechy, incongruous Oof. music. Horrible. Uh, just a, an amalgamation of different sort of, you know, recognisable tunes for no reason would play in different places it's way too bright it's supposed to be set at night but everything's bright uh there were horrible sound samples i put a horrible sample seal of crap pie crap that was awful it was generally generally terrible i did find jason he's the one that's wandering around all dressed in black uh and i didn't and i I did manage to hit him a couple of times with my axe you've got to find a create a space safe space or something it's like it's kind of crazy. It's like, oh, we're going to create a safe space for people so that Jason won't kill him. It's the the, the idea stupid. is ridiculous. Just stupid. <laughs> By putting a cross of all things yeah. in a room, like Jason is nothing to do with religion. There's a church. There's a barn. There's all kinds of nonsense. It, the, the, there's what is it? It's about five screens high by about five yeah, screens wide. Stupidly small. It's. Oh, it's appallingly bad. <sighs> yeah. There's a, there is a recent game, and there, Friday the 13th has been brought out recently. There's another version of it, which is following that sort of one versus many, you know, asymmetric kind of multiplayer mm. where one person plays um, as Jason, I think, and, yeah. and other people play it, play as, you know, the, the survivors trying to sort of stop him. And that, that could have worked here. You could have had multiplayer in some description. You could have had one person maybe playing Jason or something, some split screen stuff. I don't know. Maybe a giant squid would have made things more interesting. Anything just to have brightened this damn thing up because I don't understand what the point of this is. It's nothing like the films aside from it's got something in it called Jason. <laughs> the UI at the bottom, it's just rubbish. The sprites are terribly animated. Everything looks bad. Oh, no. Just appallingly bad. I, I, I was, you know, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't get on board with this. And I wanted to. Friday the 13th, there's a decent idea there and a decent license there. But this was, um, yeah, rubbish, 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 rubbish. Yeah, let's move on. Because Friday, and obviously, Zap were being ironic and giving it 13%, I think. Yeah, I, I did wonder. I thought it was cheesy, but yeah, now. But I think it, it yeah, fits. Just, yeah, you it know. does. It's just stupid. Yeah. And also, as well, I don't know if you read the review, but the game came with two blood capsules. Yeah, I did. 
Just, just stupid. Stupid. Stupid and rubbish. Stupid. Stupid rubbish is right. Rubbish. Let's move on. Let's move on from that garbage. To our next game. So very different from from something Zap hated to something Zap really loved. This is going to be interesting. Revs. <laughs> so Revs is well, it's, a, it's not a racing game. It's a it's a you know it's an attempt at a simulator. Really, this is a sim. It's a simulation. It's a simulation. You no know, Formula One. I guess Formula One simulator. Formula Three. Or is it, or is it Formula Three? So yeah. Formula Three. So it's a Formula Three simulator. Now there, there was Revs and Revs Plus. The original Revs, which is what I looked at, only had it's two, two, only two tracks: Donington and Brands Hatch, I think. But that was too too many for me. I couldn't get past like the first corner. It's really really hard. So one of the things this game is: it's a racing game, and you're in you're in cockpit. Uh, what's the word? Is it cockpit for for racing? Um, is that what they call it? I think it is a cockpit. You know what I mean. You, you're you're sat behind the wheel. Yeah. Um, I don't know what the, the term is for like. What, you, I'm the driver, but your your viewpoint is from behind the wheel. I think it is a cockpit. Yeah. So the cock the cockpit. Okay. So you're in, you're in the cockpit. View is from behind the wheel, which is unusual, very unusual for this time. Yeah. You know, like the idle on before it. This is another of first person first sort of thing. This is putting you in the actual car itself yeah, looking at the eyes of the driver yeah yes so you've got the wheel you know the big wheel in front of you and the track stretching off into the distance green and black and all that sort of stuff so one of the things this game is that it's keyboard controls which threw my head immediately because eh, eh. i'm not gr- i'm not i'm not great with keyboard controls i tried my best i really did try my best so you've got you've got to control it's manual gears steering and you see you've got to change gears and trying to do all this on the keyboard was just too much for me and i and, and I, I found it this, this lack of joystick control is just something I couldn't get on with. Whenever I've played, you know, even if I've played sim like races, I would, you know, with a wheel, with a control pad, keys, just digital inputs for something that needs to be analog again, at least give me a joystick. Yeah. I can appreciate what they're going for. And Zap gave this 96%, so they <laughs> loved it. You know, and I'm not going to knock that because I think that if, you, you know, this is one of them games that, that probably at the time was pretty revolutionary and pretty... You know, nothing like it before. If you think like not too long ago, we had Talladega, mm. and, and then you know, now we've got this. Quite a big step up here. This is trying to do something similar to what Ace was doing, I think, trying to sort of make that you know, in, in sort of flight simulators, and trying to make trying to be that next step forward and push the sort of technology. And so I, you know, I appreciate the endeavor here and 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 what they were going for. And I think that if you know, if you can dig into this, if you can really get into this, you might get something from it. There are decent visuals. It does tick along at quite. a decent pace once you get fast but i think what we talked about with the idol on i think i just like my races a bit more arcade like and so even stuff like pit stop 2 which you know simulating formula one whatever doesn't do that you know it's it's still arcadey this is just a, a touch too simmy and a touch too much for me and i'm not quite sure the c64 is a powerful enough machine to really do this justice there would be a sequel or not sequel but an update that would come out called revs plus which did use the joystick i didn't try that because this is the one that they reviewed this month but yeah i think you know this is one of those games you just take a step back from and go wow you managed to do this on the c64 well done but it ain't for me <laughs> Don't know, and so I'm not going to say it's bad. I'm just saying it's not for me. What, what did you What did you think? Are you the same or? I don't like simulators. I've made no secret of not liking simulators. So there are two aspects to it, aren't there? So the first aspect is if this is a simulation of Formula One, Formula Three, sorry, driving. How good a simulation is it? And on the Commodore 64, it's okay. It's a bit juddery. It's a bit slow. When you can get moving, lots of complex controls. Lots of keyboard controls, <laughs> lots of yeah. stuff. What it isn't is like driving a car because that isn't driving a car. So, and you have to strike a balance. 
there is a difficult balance with these games. If you're going to do a simulation and you're going to simulate all the nuances of Formula 3, Formula 1 racing, then you have to take into account the different various parameters of that vehicle and all of the controls and everything else. That does require lots of complex commands. And my argument would be for a game of this type, then do all of that and then let the race happen so that you've set all those parameters in place, you've set all that management aspect in place, and then the race happens and you see what happens with your parameters. Or don't have all of that and get in the car and just drive and control it with your joystick. Those two things are two different variations of this kind of game. This doesn't work because it is trying to be a simulation with the keyboard and controls and all the complexity, and it doesn't work because it doesn't feel like you're racing. It just feels like Mm -hmm. you're not controlling something all the time. And for me, as much as the 3D was-ish okay and the road simulation was okay, on a Commodore 64, no surprise here, it's probably at least three or four times slower than every other version of this game, including the BBC Micro version, and you can see why because they lend themselves better to this kind of mathematical vectory type of game. Mm-hmm. So technically, yes, if you are into Formula 3 simulation and you are into the nuances of understanding how that works and all the various choices you have to make and the controls, I bet there's something in there for you. If you're into your pit stop two kind of just get in the car and race and just do you know pit stops and stuff, you'd be playing pit stop two. You wouldn't be wasting your time with this. I just don't understand why these simulations are popular in the way that they are but i just don't like formula 3 or formula 1 that much it's like i don't i never really liked any of them i don't i remember my friend raving about the game gunship trying to tell me how amazing it was to fly this helicopter and when i actually got to see it i'm like really that is not (laughs) flying a helicopter in my mind this is not like that so i don't imagine sitting in the cockpit of a Formula 3 racing car going at 170 mile an hour is anything like what this game represents to me. But there are people out there that dig all that kind of primer stuff. The same people that like those cricket games with all the stats and the fishing games with all the stats. The simulation games have got an audience for people that like simulations. My Mm -hmm. argument with this game is that pick a side. Either you're a simulation, pick all the simulatory things and then let that play out. Or you're an arcade. Let people get in and control it like an arcade game. You can't be both because it doesn't work. And this doesn't work for me. How it got 96%, I can only imagine because they all like Formula One and they all like technical stuff and there's parts that are clever. But come on, you could play two tracks in a variant of 3D, not very fast, quite juddery, poor sound, NAF controls, over-controlled, over-simulation, boring, doesn't quite work, juddery 3 Why would you bother? But you know what? The people out there dig it. I'm not one of them, so... <laughs> Don't hold back. No, I, I, no I, 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 it's like with um, Elite. This, for me, is like a, a, the Formula One equivalent yeah, of Elite. Yeah, yeah. I get that people like it for all the reasons that people like Elite. I'm just not one of them because I can't get past the fact yeah. that I'm trying to control a Formula One racing car, racing car, with, with my keys. keyboard. Yeah, it that's what I could get past either. It belies excitement. If I'm having to type in the kind of... And, and I don't mean you have to do this in the game, because you don't, but... Metaf- metaphorically speaking, typing in the, the words, go faster car, is not the same as <laughs> just going faster, is it? 
So no, I just want to move my joystick forward or hold down the fire button and go forward. Yeah, exactly. And what I, I tell you what I did do after I, I played this, after I played all these games, you know, I, went, I went and played Burnout 2. <laughs> just went and played that. And it was like, you know what? Yeah, this is my kind of racing game. Yeah. And it just explained to me why I don't like revs. I'm like, I'm not going to like revs because I want to play Burnout 2. And yeah. back then, we, we quite like Great American Cross Country Road Race. We like Pit Stop 2. There are racing games we like because they're fun. You're trying to simulate something in 64K. Well, let's be absolutely honest, right? Yeah. And, then, and then the final note from me on this, okay? This is a port that existed on other systems better. And so this this has just been put on the 64 mm-hmm. because it's on the BBC and it's on other systems. The BBC Model B version of Revs is fast. It's about twice as fast as this, which makes it a little bit more playable. You're still controlling a car with a keyboard, which is lame in my book, but it is what yeah. it is. And of course, later down the line, um, there's Jeff Crammond Formula One Grand Prix games that come out, which this is kind of the baby version of that. So do you know what? Just let me race cars around a track. But do you know what? Yeah. It's clever. It's amazing. It's it's all those things. What it ain't is the immediacy and the fun of Pit Stop 2, is it? But it's not made for no. people who like no, Pit no, Stop no. 2. I bet there's people, the snooty people in the playground, you Formula 1 aficionados. I knew two of them um, when I was at school. <laughs> you did. Um, who would sit there you know, <laughs> snorting and guffawing <laughs> at the, the technical inaccuracies of Pit Stop 2. <laughs> Stopping for nine seconds in a pit lane? I don't think so with that penalty, mate. Whereas uh, in this one, it's like with revs, it's the real deal. If I stop in there, if my key commands aren't correct, I'm not able to leave that pit lane without at least a 10 second penalty. Like, right, okay, you know what? I'm having more fun than you. You're a boring idiot. Now go back on your rock, dickhead. So. You, you knew how to make friends and influence people, didn't yes, you, back did. at school? I, I, I made less friends, but I influenced many. <laughs> So, yeah, anyway, I think we talked about revs way more than it deserved. It did deserve 96%, especially at 15 quid. 15 quid? No, no, it's a disc game. It's a disc game, isn't it? Cram off, cram I don't think revs was even available on tape. I'm pretty sure it wasn't. So this is a Maybe disc not. game as well. So this, so you have to invest in a 1541 disc drive. You know you're dedicated to Formula 1 if you've just spent 250 quid on a disc drive just to play this by keyboard. Oh, yeah, you're into it. <laughs> me though i'm not spending that on this not me no. <laughs> i love christy exactly i love christy too much <laughs> to uh, entertain this stupidity let's move on uh, revs we appreciate no it more. I, well i appreciate it. I, no more no more revs <laughs> okay <laughs> <laughs> our next game oh christ uh you've got this one anyway i gave this one to you purposefully because i know how much of a fan you are another another game of the film i've given you the game of the films haven't i this one you have game of the film section so uh although this is not the game of the film this is the game of the film of the score sorry this is the game of the score of the film it's just stupid stupid stupid. we are of course talking about uh i just make eyes Blade Runner. Funnily enough, in this game, by the way, did you play it much? No. I, get... I played it as much as I wanted to yeah, play it. So, right. So the reason I say this is because in Blade Runner, the film, they're called uh, replicants, right? But in uh, Blade Runner, the game, they are repli droids. <laughs> yes, I told you, I did play it. Repli droids, repli-droids, not replicants. Yes. More like re- these are more like repli don'ts. Because it's a game based on the soundtrack of the film. <laughs> so licensing bizarreness aside (laughs) so let's just get down to brass tacks blade runner is a game based loosely on the soundtrack of the movie it's based on blade runner blade runner blade runner is a policeman who is whose job it is to identify 
fake people, replicants of humans who are essentially, they're not androids, but they're kind of biologically created replicants, re replacements of people who have gone rogue. And because they've gone rogue, they become dangerous. And what the long and the short of it is that his job is to try and track them down, kill them if necessary, and identify them. Trouble is, some of them don't know the replicants. Hey, there's the gaff. There's the weirdness right there. That's the film. The game is loose, so loosely linked to that, it may as well not be called Blade Runner. So they've oh. borrowed some of the <laughs> graphical iconography. I use that term very loosely <laughs> of this game. And so that everything has got a slight name change. So you, you're flying around in what they game calls a skimmer. I'm pretty sure they're not called skimmers. I'm surprised this isn't called knife jogger. Should <laughs> <laughs> right. so have more apt The title. idea of the game is like the idea of the film is that you've got to identify the repli-droids <laughs> and... <laughs> identify them and kill them because they are causing nothing but havoc these replidroids Repli so don't. you track them down using your bizarre i want to say radar but it makes no sense whatsoever oh the main screen the world's worst version of pac-man oh, christ so you, you so you flitter around on this landscape very getting out of your car when you do get to that sequence when you're not okay you're just running along because what they've done is taken scenes from blade runner and try to make them into levels for a game. So there's the flying around, trying to find stuff part. That doesn't really happen in the film, but okay, it no. happens in this. There's the chasing down the Blade Runner, which is one, let me just say that again, one sequence in the film Blade Runner, where Deckard, the main character, chases down the character of Zora through uh, crowded mm -hmm. streets and shoots at her. And that's that's one bit, one small section of the film, but they made that into a level. And then does it matter what else happens in this? It just, you know what? If you imagine Blade, Blade Runner as a tech noir drama about what it is to be a human and what it is to be a slave, understanding the idea that humanity has reached a point where they can create re replicas of themselves to do the jobs they don't want to do, but what does it mean to really be human in all of that? Take all of that away, and what you're left with is this garbage. So <laughs> this is a game kind of loosely based around that concept. It doesn't work in any capacity. Graphics are awful. Sam's... Shocking. And this is the real killer for me. The, the game that you have based on the soundtrack of the film <laughs> should at least have a soundtrack worthy of the film. Now, we know Van Gelders can be done well because Martin Galway came along and did Chariots of Fire in Hypersports perfectly well. In fact, mm -hmm. really well. So we know it when can our, be done. When our, best, when our best music of 1985, exactly. in fact. Yeah. And so this is a weird and I hesitate to use the term drum and bass version of the Blade Runner theme, but kind of is, because <laughs> the rhythm section's gone out of control. <laughs> so it's just a ratty tappity tappity tap dancing version of Blade Runner in a game that makes no <laughs> sense with graphics that don't belong in anything that belongs in Technoir sci-fi. No, games do do Technoir sci-fi quite well later down the line with things like, um, well, there's a, there's a whole number of games that do this better, and but there's, there's a whole series of games that just do sci-fi tech noir stuff better than this all the way down the line including on the Commodore 64 this the trouble with this one is it's just rubbish it got 39% in zap i don't quite get why it even got that it was 9 pounds 8 pound 95 which is horrific really cuz you just know blade runner came out in 1982 as well so it's late it's a late license so and i've been wondering about this recently why it would be this is the vhs audience so this is what cuz it came out on vhs in that year in 1986 85 86 so this is the video so. generation of people that have rented from whatever place you could get videos back then. I've rented Blade Runner, finally seen it. Probably elided a lot of people at the cinema. 
seen it and thought, wow. You know, and so they were playing on the whole video kind of game, video home systems stuff. Just utter shit. No more of this now. Just turn it off. <laughs> no more Blade Runner for you. You know what? Just no. No, 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 no. No. Uh, and that was my take on it. I like Blade Runner as a film. Me and Blade Runner have come to an understanding over the years because I, I hated it at one point. <laughs> but um, the game just lacks any anything that to do with the film, really. It's just such a shame because there's such great material in Blade Runner to make a game from. You know, Beneath the Steel Sky does a great game of tech noir point-and-click adventure in a kind of Blade Runner-y tradition, later down the line on the Amiga, really. Well, there is a Blade there is a Blade Runner point-and-click in there. There may very well be. I'm sure there is. And there's so much little stuff inside of Blade Runner, including the Voight Kampf machine, the idea of detecting replicants in in places where they shouldn't be and chasing them. There, there is a bit for chasing them down. But why do it like this? Why? You know, and I think it's somewhere along the line, someone's thought they had the license for Blade Runner and realised they had nothing. So hence the reason it's based on the soundtrack. I don't know. You can't have liked this, surely. Me? God, no. Yeah, 1997, Blade Runner, the video game, was a point-and-click adventure. Yeah, yeah. Done by Westwood Studio. Westwood Studios. No, so it's Westwood probably, Studios. probably pretty good. It would have a Voight Kampf machine in it, so you can ident- it would it would have that sequence in it. I would have thought so. Westwood did thingy, didn't they? Uh, what did Westwood Command do? Command and Conquer. Eye of the Beholder. Command and Conquer, yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah, this is garbage. The film with the score. I put, I put what's well, not terrible, and it's not. It certainly is not the best Van Gelis translation I've heard. And I put uh, some representation of the city they got going on there. Oof. It looked like, do you know what it looked like? It looked like they'd watched Aliens. Yeah. You know that bit where they're scanning the uh, tower? Yeah. I don't know, was Aliens out at this point? I don't know, but it looked like that sequence. It's just blueprints of a city. And yeah. the thing was, it's like, if you're going to do that, why make it so hard to actually move around the damn thing? It's like moving that little dot about was really hard and it just felt awful. Horrible green grid nonsense <laughs> yep. until you can find a replicant, repli droid. I don't know, it should have been replican, <laughs> replican. tin can or something. Yeah. It, it, it felt like the, uh, we've said this before, so it felt like uh, the tra- not training place, uh, coming to America, they have the Big Mick, we have the Big Mac. Yeah. It's that again, isn't it? Uh, the, oh, that, <laughs> I've, I've noted here it's got the most boring transition when you actually land. Oh, God. Yeah. Um, oh, that slow landing of the car, <sighs> the skimmer, or whatever the damn thing's called is it just moves slowly down from the sky and then when you got out i was like thinking okay right and then there's rubbish single color sprite through the gray <laughs> blandness i just remember the city being this thing of color and loads of vibrancy in in the film itself and here it's just this gray awful concrete ugh. oh it's just bad this was a bad but just like view to kill friday the 13th just you know trading on a name it's just bad Bad stuff. And to be not even trading on the name of the film. We looked at the crap there last week and those people on the advert were angry. Now I understand why they were angry because they've seen the kind of game they were in. This is really cheap. You put Blade Runner on it and you think, oh, it's the film. To put in small writing based on the score... And then do the same thing anyway. It's just nonsense. Why didn't they just do... If you're going to do this story, if you're going to do this notion of, like you said, what it is to be human, what it is to be a slave, what it is to be these things, what it is to sort of, you know, have a... Know when it is, you know, have a shortened lifespan and, you know... The, the need to experience everything you can within that time frame and not having rights and all that sort of stuff. You know, th- you go back to the source material. Go back to Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep and, and, and look at that and then say, right, what kind of game can we make on around this notion? Not this cheap knockoff. Oh, yeah, this is an anger-inducing one. 
Um, and and the yes. CRL, you know, whoever made this sort of thing, it should should have known better. Really, it's, it's, this was a, a poor choice and 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 inexplicable licensing that I can't yeah, get my head just around. Stupid, just stupid. Yeah, we don't like that. No. We don't like Blade Runner. I like I like the film. Every, yeah. You know, the film great. The, 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 the sequels great. <laughs> As I said, should just be called Knife Jogger. Knife Jogger, it is. It's just a cheap ass <laughs> version based on the soundtrack knife, of Knife Jogger. <laughs> knife Knife Jogger. No, no, just Jog on Blade Runner. Thirty nine percent. You, it's well more than it deserves. It's rubbish, so avoid. Way more. All right, let's move on. Okay, right. so we're going to take a quick break, come back with films and TV for February 1986, so stay with us. Thanks to our sponsor, davidhernwriter.com, where you'll find audiobooks that are as cheap as chips. Dave's feature book is Paddy Go Easy, What Happens When You Hit and Run. Set in a small country town in Australia, Paddy hits a cyclist and flees the scene. The police should have an open and shut case. But why did she turn in front of him? Did the collision kill her? Or did someone come back to finish the job? Audiobook available at Google Play, Apple Books, Audible and other cool places. Visit davidhernwriter.com. That's David Hearn, H-E-A-R-N-E, writer.com to find out more. Alright, welcome back to the this episode's film and tv from february 1986 what was going on on our airwaves and in our cinemas in this month well it was all going on on tv i can tell you that because on the 4th of february thorn emi sold its stake in swindon cable to british telecom and the new owners axed focus on swindon (laughs) and other local programming and replaced it with bought in content you don't know how much of a <laughs> what does that even mean? <laughs> Essentially, I don't I don't know, but I'm hoping that some of our maybe some of our listeners who may live in the Swindon area can tell us the seismic effect that uh, that this this, this <laughs> had on their on their local programming getting axed and uh, b- replacing it with bought in content. I'm hoping they sort of brought in like uh, local local news from like Yorkshire and stuff for Swindon. <laughs> the only thing I know in amongst that is that Thorn EMI was something I rented my yeah yeah I think I rented TV from them or a video or something. Thorn EMI. Did uh, they did films, didn't they? They, they did video releases. They did the, Vala- the did Valachi they? papers, I'm sure. I wish you should see the trailer for the Valachi papers on Thorny MI. Did they do video rent video equipment? Was there a manufacturer and uh, what? Who the hell were they anyway? <laughs> Don't they know. Must have, well, they must have had a stake in Swindon Cable. Wow. They must have done. Random. Anyway, random. Okay. Okay. So Swindon Cable sold out. Poor old Swindon. I know. Shocking, isn't it? You know, this was. Big news, but again, it was big enough to uh, be on uh, Wikipedia when I was looking at it. The other news uh, on the in, in TV, the other big thing for ni- in the nineteenth of February, BBC One it aired Round Britain Whiz, uh, okay. which isn't a, which isn't a drugs thing. Shame. Which is an, an edition of the science series QED. Remember QED? Oh, QED I was QED. great. I loved QED. This was quite good because this was the thirty-minute program consisting of a sped-up flight around the coastline of Great Britain with guest appearances from geologists and TV personalities including Patrick Moore, David Bellamy and Terry Wogan, telling mm. the viewer about the geology and natural history of certain areas. So let me get this just correct so we just understand. We've got an <laughs> astronomer, a botanist, and a TV <laughs> presenter talking yeah. about geology and natural history. Yeah. Okay, works for me. <laughs> what would you want? In, in, as they whiz around the coastline of... I quite like the idea of whizzing around the coastline of Britain in 30 minutes. Yeah, because they, they would have filmed it on the bottom of a 
you know, an aeroplane, wouldn't they? And then sped yeah, it yeah. up. Yeah, I think that was quite quite good. Well, definitely. But, you know, Round Britain Whiz, I thought was quite a good, just sounds like some drugs program. If it was Patrick Moore, David Bellamy and Terry Rogan off their head on speed, <laughs> going from town to town, just randomly asking strangers <laughs> questions they can't understand because they're talking in speed gibberish, which is that language that people have when they're on speed, where they just go, oh. and you're like, uh, are you speaking English? Or, but you are gurning a lot. <laughs> oh, that would be great. Can you imagine those three just off their tits tri- tri- tripping tripping round what the Terry what that Wogan TV on would be like speed that would be wild i mean the guy released the floral dance as a single but can you imagine if he did a version of that on speed hold to go to the floors like just you know his eyes would be bulging his tongue and mouth would be like gurning he's like oh, you all right terry you, you don't seem yourself yes i'm fine weird so that would have been a better version of Round Britain wisdom. I like the it idea. I like the idea of whizzing around the coast of Britain. Be interesting. But that was it. That was your TV, TV highlights. February bereft of anything yeah. worth watching. Then a cold, dark month of February. It's always boring in February. And it was actually because February 1986 was especially cold, wasn't it? It was. Yeah, bloody chilly. It always is February. Well, no, we have <laughs> mild Februarys now. You know, and February is more like June. But back then, Feb- February is more like January. <laughs> <laughs> June is more like October in the Bahamas. <laughs> <laughs> well, we had we had four seasons then, not a perpetual omni season. It just lasts <laughs> as long as seasons last. It's neither here nor there. Sometimes it's brown, sometimes it's green, sometimes it's grey. Seasons now are just two days long because there's no... Who knows what's going to be. We had snow the other day here. We did. It was it's 20 April. degrees one day. Then it was snowing the next day. Yeah. It confused the shit out of the pigeons, let me tell you. They were like, what the... <laughs> Keeps going on. My eggs are frozen. <laughs> well, poor, poor pigeon eggs. <laughs> I'll beep the uh, the swear word out. The profanity. It was needless. It was needless very pigeon needless. based profanity. I'll bleep that out. <laughs> beep it out with a coo. I will. I, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do Actually, that. With you, a... you can beep it. You can beep it out with this noise. There you okay. go. That is alarming that you can do such a good pigeon impression. But also explains why there's so many pigeons nesting in your house. Absolutely, not just in my na- not just in my house. They do it in my hair. They do it down my well, pants. You are the you are the pied pigeon. No, the pied no, pigeon. The, yeah, the, what? The, the pied pigeon. The pied piper was the guy that played the pipes for the rats. No, the pied pigeon piper. I don't play pigeons. He plays the pipes. He didn't play rats. Yeah, but, but you are the pied pigeon. You do play the pigeons. It's uncomfortable for everyone. We all acknowledge it. None of us want to say anything. I'll just grab one now. Exactly. You don't want to know how he got that pigeon to do a high F. It's it's, it, it's something that no one should ever be able to see or unsee. Oh, round Britain whiz. He is a pigeon fancier. All right, so that was it. 30 minute whiz round Britain with Terry Wogan off his head on speed. Nice. That's your TV. Let's move into films. The 7th of February, we had Lady Jane. Well, I didn't. Uh, Is that a this, thing? No, it's the story of Lady Jane Grey, who was Queen of England for only uh, nine days, starring Helena Bonham Carter and Carrie Elwes. Okay, as you wish. I've, I've never heard of it. I'm sure it's very worthy. Where did we get? 7th of Feb, we had The Journey of Natty Gan, which I believe is a Disney film. It's that Helena Bonham and Carrie Elwes. <laughs> sure, it's, a, it's the one with the uh, the girl and the, the wolf. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Natty and Gan. It's a bit like, <laughs> Natty um, and Gan. Natty, Bootsy, Bootsy and, and Smudge. 
<laughs> Warren's Natty. It's a Disney film. And it's covered in Gan. <laughs> it starred Merindith Salinger and John Cusack and Ray Wise. That's got John Cusack. You're your diabolical duplicate. <laughs> John Cusack's not... I don't look like him. <laughs> you do, in a, in a weird way that you do. You do. Oh, you've God. Got, you've got Cusackisms, you have. <laughs> I've got rampant Cusack into the forehead. <laughs> And oh my you are God. an international hitman, and you have killed the president of Saigon with a fork. Yeah, that's true. And I do often just drive away from collapsing buildings and stuff in various forms. Well, that's to be fair, you would do that, even if you weren't Jen Cusack impersonator. That's which true. You are. And, and, and suffered massive Cusacking of the forehead. <laughs> <laughs> 14th of Feb, Spies Like Us. Finally came fin- out, didn't fin- it? Finally, finally arrives with its uh, Paul McCartney soundtrack. And it's disappointing track. lack of comedy. <laughs> it's not the greatest, is it? No, do you know, I went and watched it. I watched it after the last... Uh, oh, did you? Last pod- yeah, I did. And how did you find it? It's it's rubbish. It's, oh, it's it? rubbish. It's I didn't realise it's about 75% ad-libbed between Chevy, mostly Chevy Chase ad-libbing with a bit of Dan Aykroyd. And it makes no sense. The film makes no sense whatsoever. And I think it's it's a, it's a film that was compiled in the editing room based on lots of hilarious clips of Chevy Chase saying funny stuff. None of that made it into the film. It's rubbish. The plot makes no sense whatsoever and it has no ending. So it was it was really weird. Really weird. Really strange film. Really? Mm. Oh, I haven't seen it for ages. I just remember something along the line of... There's one funny line in it where he says about... Gives you a permanent orange afro, which may always used to make me laugh. Yes, there's that, and there's um, Russian spy women in it, so... Oh, the, and, and they spying on them while they're... In... in inexplicably in bra and pants in the frozen snow. It's not inexplicable. It's just... It's, it's how, that's, how Russian, that's how Russian spies work. Did you not know this? Oh, oh yeah. I forgot about that. They're so hardy over there, sort of thing, that they don't need clothes. Basically, Chevy Chase in this film is playing Fletch, or Fletch Lives. Yeah. So, it's that, so that's the character he is, though. So. It's spies like Fletch. Fletch yeah, it like is. us. It is. Fletch it is. like Fletch us. Fletch like us, yeah. Uh, okay. And you either like Fletch or you don't. I like Fletch in Fletch movies, not here, so, but anyway, it's rubbish. So. Yeah, let's move on then. All right, because in the previous episode, we looked at the game Commando. We did. Now we look at the film Commando, because <laughs> on the 21st of February, Commando comes out. Now, Commando, it's become a bit of a... It's, it's gone beyond cult classic, hasn't it? It's the stupidest film it is really stupid yeah yeah. one of the greatest action movies ever made at the same time i I didn't realize this was quite so soon after rambo so i don't think this was a rambo knockoff we were saying that this kind of rambo ushered all this in this must have been being made around the same time i think it was i was watching an interview now i don't know if the interview and you have to forgive me i know it's poor podcasting but i can't remember if the interview was with arnold schwarzenegger or if it was with Sylvester Stallone. But one of them was saying how basically every time they tried to make a movie, I think it was, I'm pretty sure it was uh, Sylvester Stallone, but every time one of them tried to make a movie, the other one was always doing another movie that was the same. So, and it was like, and so I was making Rambo and then I found out that they were doing like Commando. I'm like, oh my God, you know. And so I think there was a genuine rivalry between the two about who's going to make a big action movie. And I think Commando must predate Rambo in, but who knows when these films are made. Yeah, I don't. That's what Google's for. Go Google it. No. Oh, you're telling me or the listener? <laughs> no, listeners, not you. <laughs> I'm just at his beck and call. <laughs> you've, already, you've already Googled it. <laughs> he commands, I do. <laughs> Commando. Like he com- Yeah, commands, I do. Commando. Commando, yes. Commando. Commando starts with him carrying a tree. <laughs> He's a strong guy, Mr. Matrix. He sets his uh, stall out quite easily and then feeding a deer. 
It's a, it's a film of uh, it's a film of radical radical differences. You know, there's there's poetry there. There's almost Tolstoyevsky. <laughs> Tolstoyevsky. He's not he's not a person. He's not. <laughs> he's now Bob Tolstoyevsky. <laughs> <laughs> There should be a Tolstoyevsky, really. Uh, there probably is. Bob Tolstoy. There's, there's, a, there's, a, there's an art to this. There's a beautifulness to it. There's, you know, carrying a tree and feeding a deer. Yes. And then, he has a, and then he's got a daughter who turns out to be... Go to, grows up to be a witch in Charmed. Oh, God, it is her. Yeah, it's, I can't remember her name now, but it is her. And then, okay, so do we think... Does Commando start the bad pun? Yeah. Um, um, yeah, I think it does. Because there's so many in this. What Schwarzenegger movies are before this? Elide, Conan, Hercules, anything there's else? Not much. Say I, I think lot. this is. I think this is his it's first. Dealers before this, but that's not a that's not pun heavy. I don't think is it? No, it's not. No, because that's not. It isn't. And Red Heat was after this, I think, wasn't it? So uh, yeah, Red Heat's definitely after it. Because I saw Red Heat at the cinema. Terminator's got a couple of one-liners in it, but not. He's an android in it, so he's not really. No, Road Road deals after. We had before this. We've got Terminator, Terminator, Red Sonja, (laughs) Conan films. Obviously, Cactus Jack. No, but then you've got Commando, and then Road Deal, then Predator, then Running Man, then Red Heat. That was his eight. That was his eighties action. Yeah. So run. So Commando is where it starts then for definite. Because it just influenced so many other films, didn't Mm. it? You had to. Actually, it's in some. What's it referenced in? It says it in uh, Last Action Hero, doesn't it? You can't just kill someone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it Last Action Hero? It says you can't kill someone. You've got to say some something clever. Yeah, you've got some clever because he says it in Predator loads. It's like stick around, stick around, and and then there's loads. It let off some steam and this Commando and there's loads of them. There's too many. Wait, my friend, he's dead tired. Yeah, 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 he's dead tired, yeah. yeah. Do you know why I said I'd kill you last? I lied and all that. That Here's, sub, here's Sub-Zero now, playing Zero. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, the running man ones. <laughs> and then you've got Mick Fleet. Even Mick Fleetwood gets in on the act. Not worth losing your head over. <laughs> That's a very good impression of Mick Fleetwood, it has to be said. Just for anyone out there listening to this, just got him go in, and especially. Google YouTube the... Mick Fleetwood sections of uh, The Running Man because that is an alarmingly good impression right there. <laughs> but he does come out with loads, loads of them in this, doesn't he? You know, um, yeah, it's yeah. also got, a, it's also got a bad guy in chainmail. Yeah, a chainmail vest. Guy is I, I do know, but go on. Is that Australian guy from um, Mad Max? Yeah, is that is the main baddie in Mad Max Two? Don't tell me that's humongous. No, 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 no. It's not humongous. It's the, <laughs> the other guy, the other guy with the Moika who. Oh, he is, isn't he? Yeah, that's him. That's him, yeah. Oh, yes. Mr. Underpants. I'm pretty sure that's not his name. But... <laughs> it could very well be in Mad Max. <laughs> yeah. It explains why he's so mad, really. He'd probably, he'd probably be called Grunderpants. But that's him. That's the same guy, yeah. Okay. But they always, they always come out. They always, there's the thing of his. These guys always eat something, don't they? <laughs> so in this one, does he eat green berets for breakfast? And in other films, they eat, I eat shit like you for breakfast. That's in a uh, classic takedown of that line in um, Happy Gilmore. I eat shit like you for breakfast. It's like, you eat shit for breakfast? (laughs) These films always come out with stupid stuff like that. You green beret pusses. No, I used to kill green berets. And it does it in Roadhouse as well. I used to eat green berets for breakfast. It's just, honestly, these films kill me. I think it's in this, isn't it? Isn't it? Did Bill Duke say that? Yeah, yeah. I think he eats green berets for... Yeah. Do you have, have the fight with Bill Duke in the hotel, in the hotel yes. room? Yes, he does. And he kills him in a crazy way. And he probably says something, let off some steam. He needs a shower. <laughs> one for, you know, there's some corny one-liner he does in there. I know there is. <laughs> there's no pepper in this container. <laughs> yeah. You're not the Duke of Earl. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> that is niche. 
beyond belief. I, I don't know what the line is. I should watch Commando again, really. I haven't watched it in quite a while. Hey, was that a man with two brains gag? It was, you just yes. Very, yes. <laughs> keep talking, keep talking. Keep talking, keep talking. Was it my voice? Duke, Duke, Duke. Duke of oil. Duke of oil. oil. <laughs> Oh dear. Right. That's Commando. So Commando came out, obviously, and you know, started Big the eighties. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah, you had Rambo and Commando in, you know, that you had the Battle of the Bow and the Doe. Um within yeah. months of each other and they just they just transformed the latter half of, you know, action cinema um in Hollywood pretty much for one in one way or another. The final film that came out the twenty eighth February was Car Trouble, uh, a British film with Julie Walters and Ian mm. Charleston. Ooh. Ian Charleston. Also had Hazel O'Connor in it. Oh, God. Breaking Glass, Hazel O'Connor. Yeah. And and Dave Hill, who played Bill. Okay. <laughs> I know. It throws him a midlife crisis. A man buys a new Jaguar, and it immediately becomes his new love. What he doesn't know is that his wife is as attracted to the Jaguar salesman as he is to the car. That's that film. That's Car Trouble. And there you go. So There we are. Commando is the, clearly the the highlight of the February 1986. It was good, Commando. Oh, yeah, Commando's great. I wouldn't say it was great. It is stupid. It's stupid in a in a great way. It's just escalation of escalation of escalation, you know, to the point where he's blown up entire buildings and people, you know, those crazy special effects. Go watch yep. it, though. You must. It's a must-see movie. Of, you know, yeah. it shouts 80s at you in a way that most films don't. You must see it. Is it Rachel Ticketit? Is that who's in it? Uh, Is that the no, woman in it? That's, no, she's in Running Man. Can't remember her name. We'll put it on the on the show notes so you yeah, can go and Google it. Somewhere. it. <laughs> go look it up. You've got IMDb. Who cares? Exactly. Go look it up. We don't have to do that. Go look it up immediately. <laughs> Absolutely. Whatever device you are listening to this on has access to the internet. Yes, unless exactly. you're listening to this on on tape, and then it doesn't. <laughs> oh, we should release an audio tape version of this. We'd never fit it on one tape. It'd be like a twin pack every week. <laughs> Sap cover tape. Yeah, that'd be good. <laughs> All right, there we go. So that's your film TV. Good. So you've got uh, stuff going on in Swindon, something about 30 minutes around the coast of Britain, Lady Jane, Natty Gan, Rubbish Spies Like Us, Awesome Commando, and British comedy, I guess. Uh, that's it. <laughs> join us Join us uh, back after this short break, where we will round up the last set of games from February 1986. <laughs> Shout out to our sponsor, davidhernwriter.com, where you'll find barking books and audiobooks. Dave's feature book this podcast is Paddy Go Easy, What Happens When You Hit and Run, where Paddy must redeem himself after driving into a cyclist, then fleeing the scene. Maybe Paddy should have stuck to Boogie Boy in Pit Stop 2. Audiobook available at Google Play, Apple Books, Audible, etc. Visit davidhernwriter.com to find out more. Dave's podcast pick is Friday the 13th. He never gets tired of finding Jason and saving those silly campers who keep on coming back. All right, good to have you back. If you didn't go anywhere, it's probably not a long <laughs> interstitial. So where are you going to go? I don't know. You might have gone anywhere. Could have just paused us and gone around the world. I don't know. Just took a sip who, who, of your drink. Who knows in this digital world what you did? You could have gone, you know what, I'm going to take a pause. And you came back in three weeks later having mad adventures. And now you come back to listen to the last part of Zap to the Past, where we're looking at the last few games uh, from issue 10 of Zap 64. The first game we have to look at in, in this batch is Desert Fox. Graham. Desert Fox. Tell us all about Desert Fox. Desert Fox is a World War II battle simulator 
where you take on the role of Commander Lone Wolf in the midst of Rommel's plans in North Africa. It's a strategic game involving the movement of your resources, tanks and such, across a map. And also, when you do that, you can have encounters which involve you shooting at things with your tank, or shooting at things with your guns, or shooting at aeroplanes and such. So, bit strategy, bit arcadey, a little bit borrowed maybe from... Beachhead 2, Beachhead, Raid Over Moscow. So, there's a little bit of borrowed gameplay from the beachhead games here. There's lots of stuff around the edges, around... There's tank jewels, you've got turret shooting, you've got minefields to avoid, all sorts of stuff to go at. Um, there's some nice elements in this game... I don't generally go for this. This feels like a Beachhead game that actually isn't. It's weird. Mm-hmm. You can almost call it Beachhead. Three. Yeah, Beachhead. It is. It's very Beachheady. So there's some nice graphics in here. The shooting parts I enjoyed. This is going to sound like I really... I don't like strategy games like this. So the choosing the stuff on the map bit, boring. The stuff when you get to the stuff on the map bit, yay. And you've got like <laughs> kind of different things on this. So there's, so you can choose like um, to listen to the radio. You can choose the airplanes. You can deploy... You've got options. There's little bits of speech as well. So when you choose the radio, you do get little, you do listen to little sound bites. There's some nice little touches in there. This thing, these kind of games aren't my cup of tea. It kind of felt a bit like Sky Fox in the way that you sort of, you have the map view and then you have the action view. So it's strategy map. Strategy is all about maps and where you place things. Action's all about the cannons and the blowing up of the stuff. And the two are two separate mini games that exist in this game world. That's fine. Wrap a bit of speech in there. All good. This wasn't my cup of tea. Graphically, it was quite good. It was nippy enough in the shooting sequences. It just felt a bit laboured and you'd have to be into Rommel and tanks and World War II strategic stuff to really enjoy it. There's some little touches here and there that are quite nice. The lighting changes in the game based on the time of day, so you've got to think about that. And there are some little interesting action-y sequences in there. If you like war simulations, such as it is one, it skirts the line between are you simulating a war game battles, battles or is it a battle game that happens to be set in World War II using the names and the familiarity of those battles and famous things? I don't know. It just felt like it was a beachhead game that kind of didn't have the name. So, but not as good as any of the other beachhead games. But that's my take on it anyway. It got quite a good review in Zap, as I recall. I think it was about a 90%, 80, 87, 87 80, mm-hmm. so, it's so it got quite good. It's not terrible, but it didn't make me want to play it more than I did. I played with it a bit and it wouldn't have enticed me back then. It didn't entice me back now. But you know what? You might like it. Yeah, I think I did like it a bit more than you. I, I but this is I thought it's an, an evolution of the beachhead type of game. I think it's a beachhead kind of crossed with Battlezone. Yeah, um, yeah. The, the sort of you know the vector graphic tank game. So if you imagine that vector graphic tank game where there's tanks moving around, some of the sort of mini games like that, and it, it, it's weird sort of thing because one of the things it actually advises you to do because this basically you've got five different mini games, you know, in from your tank, which are like you said, you've got you've got minefield, convoy, Stuka, tiger, and ambush. So you've got these five different types of game, but it actually advises you, and the, and the whole point is you've got these you know, these outposts on the map and you've got to reach the outpost before they get destroyed by Rommel's forces or the German forces and liberate all all of them to win. Rommel is moving around the map as well, so at any point you could run into him, but he's moving around as a little swash sticker on the map. So you can try and avoid him as much as you can. But what I do like the use of the radio because you can then plan your route. So if you just get static, you know that that way's clear to go. But if there's a bit of static, then it might say Stuka, Tiger, Ambush. Um, and so it tells you, okay, if you go that way, 
you're going to run into one of these things. So you kind of, you can plan it, you know, and you can, right, I don't mind Stuka, they're quite easy. Ambush I find quite tricky, so I'm going to avoid that route, you know, and you move a different way. And it, it's a strange game in the, the best way to play, almost war games, it reminded me of war games, sort of thing, in that the best way to play is not to engage in the mini games because it tells you, it actually tells you on the title screen or in the instructions that the best route is not always the fastest route and sometimes it's best to, to avoid everything. So in which case, there's absolutely no game there whatsoever. So the best way to actually complete this is to not play any of the mini games, which is strange. I, I believe this is by the same people who might have done Fight Night because that menu title screen looked very similar. Yeah, I thought that but this is obviously i much much prefer this i thought this the visuals like you said are, are really nice it does feel like a beachhead game i don't think there's any getting away from that in the fact that it's five mini war games but this is a bit more freeform than a beachhead game like i said you've got the 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 minefield where you're racing towards try and get through a minefield trying to avoid them and you know you've got a certain amount of time and you're trying to avoid the damage taken convoy convoy felt like a skeet shooting from hypersports <laughs> Planes come from either similar. side. Planes come from either side, and you had to move left and right in the joystick to sort of shoot them. I and you had red ones or green ones. You know, we shoot the red one. Stuka and Tiger. Stuka very much feels like something from the first Beachhead game, where you've got planes coming at you, and you've got to shoot them as they're coming towards you. Tiger is very battle zone, where there's a tank racing around and you've got to shoot it in the distance and the ambush sees you going down like a 3d canyon shooting the guns on either side it's it's very arcadey in those sections you know it's all right like you said the nice use of time of day to changes up the visuals and you know makes things harder it's hard to spot the tanks at night um in those kind of things so you can bring in air supply and sort of air raids on uh some of your outposts if they're under attack um if they're looking like that to try and reinforce them and try and help them out it's decent there's a good amount of speech it plays nicely. You can play it kind of as you are. And it's quite open. I I I, I quite enjoyed my time with this. I remember enjoying it back back then. It, it feels nice. I think it might have been a bit of a pain on tape as to each section might have been a loading. You had to rewind and forward. And I can't remember. Mm. But playing it now, sort of thing, not having to worry about that, felt a lot better. I thought this was okay. And I think the graphics are a little bit of a step up from what we've had in the Beachhead games. It looks nice. It runs fast. It, it's smooth. The, the speech is good. It, you know, it has a sense of place. You know, it's set in the Northern Africa campaign in the, you know, World War II. Yeah, as, as these kind of, you know, this mix of sort of strategy and arcade game go, I think this is a this is a winner for me. I, I enjoyed my time with it. So there you go. Okay. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Anything more you want to add on that one? No, not really. No, like I said before, sometimes the games appeal to me. Sometimes the, there are some nice shooty bits, but it's kind of been done with the beachhead type it's stuff. More, so. I think it's more Beachhead 1 than Beachhead 2. Yeah, it is. Oh, totally, yeah. But the, the, the little radio snippets and the speech was nice and the, the idea that, you know, there's a bit of sort of thinking about where people are going to go and the strategy parts are interesting. If you like that kind of thing, just doesn't appeal to me. No, yeah, that's fair enough. Blow, I, need to, I need to blow more stuff up and smash stuff. <laughs> well, that's the th- that's the thing with this game. You can completely choose to head where there's all the action. It's down yeah, to you how you want to play it. There. Don't bother me with the map sequence. Just <laughs> let me blow stuff up. You know, tanks fair. blown up, good. <laughs> you just don't want interstitial. Well, you could you could have just played there. Yeah, all those uh, arcade sections were available from the title screen just to play. Yeah, yeah, and I did play those and I enjoyed those. But I thought, you know what, they've kind of gone for that broad appeal, haven't they? There's something for everyone here. So um, I imagine on tape, this is a nightmare. The disc version's got a lot of loading in it, so mm. I hate to think. Yeah, it was. A, I seem to remember it being a pain. Yeah. Anyway, but mm. Desert Fox, I, I liked it. I thought if you liked the Beachhead, the original Beachhead style of sort of war game, then I think you'll you'll probably get quite a lot out of this. Yeah. And again, the scoring is a little high. I'd have put it in the seventies, but it's maybe about rightish. It's in the it's certainly in the right percentage bracket. Yeah. 
So mm. again, it feels cohesive. It feels polished and it feels finished. Yes, there is some, a lot to be said about the polish on the game. There is that that weird selection sequence, which is that Commodore font again. Everything else is kind of nice. Yeah, yeah, true. Which is more than we can say for our next one. Uh, absolutely, more than next we can say for the next two. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Up next, so what's next? We've looked at we looked at Gertie Goose, whatever the hell that rubbish was. Now we're looking at amazingly this got less. This is one bite too deep. <laughs> Why have I got to talk about this? <laughs> Why didn't you review more games so I could have left this out? <laughs> Alright, so uh, it seems I am in control of Oscar And according to the instructions on this I need to climb a cliff, cross a courtyard Enter a Brotherhood's research station complex Collect the five items and brick up the skeletons One of them doesn't fit <laughs> That last one Skeletons? Bricking up skeletons? What? Where'd that come in? This just seemed like something I was supposed to infiltrate somewhere, collect some items, and then I've got to brick up skeletons. What nonsense is this? <laughs> That's according to the instructions. I've just called this an affront to games. Which is what it is. So, good description. Simplistic nightmare of a thing. Sees you running across a jerky scrolling screen. It was the same scrolling screen that we saw in Gertie Goose. The only scrolls when you're right next to the edge, which is a pain in the ass. You are menaced constantly by a bat and a skull, although you can wave a sword, but it does nothing. You can pick stuff up. You, you get across this scrolling landscape and then I get into what I presume is the Brotherhood's research station or the courtyard. It's hard to tell because the graphics are so, so bad. It then becomes a weird flick screen explorathon in kind of similar fashion to being inside the houses in Friday the 13th. And I don't know what I was doing at that point. The bat kept menacing me. I kept trying to kill it. It was just awful. It was awful. It was so painful. Zap gave this 9% and I'm in 100% agreement. One of, again, Cops and Robbers, Gertie Goose. Just awful. The fact that this is £8. £8. Oh, Christ on a bike. Just awfulness. I'm, I'm guessing you feel the same. There is no world where I feel an affinity <laughs> for this game. I made very short, sweet notes about it. I hated it. I hated everything about it. It, yeah. felt like it, was, it felt like it was the Goose game again. Yes. Same crazy graphic problems the same it was the same engine without a doubt um it made no sense whatsoever i kind of ran around and it was exactly the same kind of thing running around maybe collecting things maybe not who knows it didn't make a lot of sense i hated it i hated everything about it so it was just bereft of any qualities that you would call a game and at full price it is a abject ripoff Mm -hmm. like the other one was Never mind the bloody game developments and all the five adverts or however many games were on that advert for this uh, relax. Delete them from everything and just no. No, 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 no. Stop now. You've got games that are being produced for big licenses now. It's starting to come of age. And as we're going to see, there are better and better games coming out. The time for these kind of cash grabs, thankfully and mercifully, is coming to an end. And these are the sort of the last grasps of desperately poor game development well, being thrown out there. It, well, uh, they are, because as we head towards early stage of 1986, more good games are going to come out, and the word is going to spread. You know, at the end of the day, the playground was the place where these things were traded, where tape-to-tape copying was done, where piracy was, you know, playground piracy was rife, and word of mouth was quite important, and people weren't going to be happy about these kind of rubbish. No one's going to trade them. So just waste of time. No, rubbish. And and horror, horrifically, and I put, and one final note here was, I put horrifically unfinished. Yeah. These don't, they don't even feel like they've even been finished. They're just, how much development time really went into that? I follow a, a guy on 
YouTube who is making a Commodore 64 game over a period of hours, you know, he's dedicating hours of live streams, maybe two or three hours at a time. But the guy's dedicating a lot of time to making a C64 game. And you can see why it takes time to make one with all the various nuances and things that he has to do. This is bereft of any of that. Mm, so yeah. it's just it's lazy rubbish. I hate this kind of thing. We've seen too much of it now. And the, the worst about, thing about this is as well, this just isn't even... Because we were quite critical of the American invasion, weren't we? We, we mm-hmm. even... We could. We even said in one of our episodes that you could almost attribute the. You know, there could have almost been a second wave of game industry collapse on a, on the back of a million and one nineteen eighty two slash eighty three games being released in eighty five eighty six. Mm-hmm. That were just legacy titles that were being released into an unsuspecting British public because they existed and they're all crap. This is like not like this has been re- developed recently and it's awful. Nine percent. How bad do you have to be? To get nine percent in Zap, I mean that's you have to be bad. This bad, this bad. That's bad. It is really bad. So just never play it, never do, never acknowledge it, and you'll do well. No, you'll do yeah, well we in life. we we played it so you don't have to. Exactly. One of the mottos of this show: well, we played it <laughs> so you don't have to. is similar for the next game which is one for you graham space pilot 2 now we looked at the advert for this the crap vert and now we predicted at the time that this might not be a very good game were we right in our prediction yes yes we were <laughs> and so the next game <laughs> <laughs> i'm not even gonna waste too much time on it you know what few things to note one 7.95 full price game this is awful two this is essentially it's meant to be a, it's a sequel apparently to Space Pilot. Did you remember playing Space Pilot on the C64? Mm, Neither do I. No. So I'm not sh- I'm not sure that it's a sequel to a game that did it really exist? I don't know. So you command a little spaceship, aircraft, different environments, shooting down things to collect points and you can rotate around and shoot stuff. It plays a lot like Z. Yeah, remember that's what I put. Chris yes, Butler game. That's exactly what I put. So it's like Z, weirdly like Z, only it lacks Everything that's good about Z, it lacks. Yeah. So the scrolling, the speed, the accuracy, the fun, the engagement, the way that you can play, essentially the speed and dynamics of Z, which is what sold it, because that scrolling was phenomenally fast in that. Mm-hmm. This is not like, it's kind of slow, sludgy, rotatory, just rubbish. It didn't have any of the pace, gusto, and, and the spot effects and sounds. Well, the kind of arcadey sort of, you know, whoops and bleeps and bloops and that kind of thing but doesn't save this game from being awful. In fact, the sounds kind of had a borrowed paradroidy feel to them a little. Mm. Um, so robotic, you know, whirring and loops of and that kind of thing. But the game doesn't make a lot of sense. You're supposed to be in this kind of place where you've got to shoot all these different enemies down and you've got to collect the points and you can, you've got to sort of, sort of fly around and collect things and do shoot stuff. It just, none of that comes across to me. I started the game and I just, you know, it came up with that quite nice presentation-ish. And apparently it's it's basically a clone of a of an arcade, an army arcade called Time Pilot. So yeah, it's the- time, yeah, it's Time Pilot. Yeah, we said that about Z as well, and that it feels like Time Pilot, but but this just feels like a rubbish Time Pilot. Well, it's time-wasting pilot. It wasted my time. <laughs> the background is that kind of wrapping effect, but mm-hmm. at least in Z, it felt like the background was kind of bigger. This feels kind of alarmingly small and similar. Yeah. So it doesn't loop well. What's to like about it? Not a lot. It got about 30-odd percent, did it, in Zap, I think. 30. 30% exactly. Yeah. It's, that's, it's way more than it deserved. You just If you're going to play this, play Z. We, we say this a lot, though. If you're going to do this, do that. 
that's what I put. I put dreary and dull, three sixty degrees scrolling time pilot rip, uh, slow and jerky, and having played Z or Z, whatever you want to call it, this is redundant. Just play Z. Uh, yeah. I put, also put it had an eye melting effect between stages. It did, yeah. That weird sort of you know, woo kind yeah. Of thing. I was like, that's that's epilepsy inducing. <laughs> Don't look yeah, at that. Yeah, yeah. And, it went, and it went on for ages. As yeah. Well. So if if you do play this sort of thing and you are susceptible to any kind of epileptic or seizures or anything like that, then please turn away from the screen when the, if you do complete a level because it might it could quite trigger, easily yeah. trigger trigger something. It was you know basically it's a it's just a scrolling you know the no colours just. Anyway, just don't look at it. No. It's got poor presentation. I thought it was pretty poorly presented. Again. The, the sprites were pretty rubbish. The spot effects were not very good. But a shooter should never be dull. It's the one no. thing a shooter should never be. It can be hard. No. It can be It can be frantic. It should never be dull. And this is a shooter no. that's dull. And a basic premise of what you're shooting for. Because <laughs> no, if you're just roaming around shooting stuff, that's fine. But you need to purpose. Because otherwise, it's just, what's the point? You're just roaming around shooting <sighs> stuff, know. collecting scores. The second second level I ended up shooting what looked like um, a Starship Enterprise as well. I don't know. Yeah, the graphics weren't in, they weren't inspiring, were they? They were just no. particular. They weren't great. So no, and you did look like a cock and balls spaceship. <laughs> it was a bit, wasn't it? It was a bit. So <laughs> just a bit. So so it was. You know, it was. I hate to say it, but it was the cock and ball simulator. Cock pilot too. Yeah, we are shooting at you. Know, you're shooting your. <laughs> Bullets Stop. for want of a better description. <laughs> things, you know, it's just, you know what? No, no. Yeah, no, we didn't like Space Pilot 2. It was better than One Bite Too Deep. And it was, I tell you what, it was such an advance on Space Pilot because that game, I'm pretty sure, doesn't exist. Or at least if it does, I've never come across it. So maybe it must be a 1982 game or something. But It's probably pre-zap. Space Pilot 2, nah, it's not very good. Go play Z. No. Nope. Way better. Play Z. So let's move on. So our last game, and our last game is uh, is Zorro. So Zorro, if you know Zorro, if you know these games, you'll know them sort of thing. This is another Datasoft game. So it's another flick screen puzzle type game, this time based on Zorro. So Zorro is a masked swordsman from... Bane? Mexico? It, essentially, you know, he's a, he's a masked swordsman in central... Northern Central America, or I'm not sure because I think it might actually be sort of Southern California that it's based in. I don't know. I don't know what the Zorro things are. Anyway, this is essentially similar in style to Bruce Lee, Conan, The Goonies. It's another. It's it's, Mm. this is them. They've obviously got this style of game um, in Datasoft, and they're happy churning out variants of this. And it's you know it's okay as if you like those, but it all feels a bit basic and and been there and done that by now. It just it's another one. Those single sort of screen puzzlers, but where you're pushing stuff or you're bouncing on stuff or you're climbing on stuff and small sprites with little fights and things like that, similar to Bruce Lee and all that sort of thing. The sprites and backgrounds, you know, it looks recognised like Zorro. I quite like when you fight someone, you kill him, you do that, you know, does a Z, you know, it does a Z. Z yeah. <laughs> That's quite nice. I did actually say, where is Zorro set? Is it Mexico, New Mexico, California, Arizona? I'm never quite sure. It looks, you know, it's all yellow, so it's all bright and that kind of thing. But the problem I have is it's just hard to get excited by it. It's just an, it's just another one of these titles from Datasoft. Back then, I think, you know, I remember liking Bruce Lee, although we're probably going to have a look at that again at some point. But by this point, you know, I'm sure it's fine if you're into these kind of thing. I found the jumping problematic and a bit tricky to sort of get right, and it wasn't always clear where you're supposed to go. And 
if you like this kind of small sprites on a screen with multiple levels and things going on and puzzle solving, you will probably enjoy this. If you don't, you won't. And I think there's not a lot more else to say about it. You know what these kind of games are by now. If you know these games, you'll be interested in them. I, uh, I find them not really for me. I just I find them a bit dull. What about you? Yeah, same. Uh, I thought it was a variant of Goonies slash Bruce Lee. Graphics were Zoroe, but it was a blocky variant of the graphics that were in Goonies and Bruce Lee. Same kind of multi-level, multi-tiered ladders and jumping kind of mechanic. Nothing wrong with that. Puzzles are interesting enough, I suppose, if you like it. It's just, it's Zorro in format, but the engine is Bruce Lee, and therein lies their shtick, really. It's the same kind of game, just with different graphics. Um, You'll either like it or you won't. It played okay. Graphics are okay for what they are. Music was really annoying, though. Yes, yeah, it was. Short, repetitive, annoying stuff, so I wouldn't be able to get past that, really. But um, I like Bruce Lee as these games go. Like you say, we'll come to that later down the line i don't really like many of these derivatives i have to say goonies was okay and passable but they're all kind of starting to feel a bit like the same thing yes you know, take out zorro and put in the goonies and you've got the goonies game so ladders yeah. jumping around avoiding stuff same stuff it's that yeah it's that lots of small sprites and detail on a single screen how much can we fit on a single screen keep mm. it small keep your interest there and that's that's it multiple levels probably three or four levels you know three levels on a screen and some ladders and this this feels more yeah. like bruce lee than goonies it's closer to bruce lee um yeah. i don't know it's made in 85 if you like bruce lee you're probably gonna like this yeah i think that's the best we can say about it really yeah that's 78 percent, which i think is probably a tad too high i think it's a bit high but but it's what it is it's not it's, it is what it is exactly yeah if you yeah. like bruce lee I, and you I, like I, goonies you'll love it i can't get excited about this zorro game i just can't no no. Nope. No. 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 Nope. 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 There we go. Right. So there you go. So that's our games. We'll cover all those. Tell you what we were when we've done our crap verts. We looked at everything. Every single game that was in this issue of Zap that was worthy of, that was actually within our remit. So there's some strategy and adventure games. We looked at them all. So nothing, nothing to mention that we didn't look at or any reasons why. So there you go. All 16 games that were reviewed by Zap we have now looked at. Let's move on to our crapverts. Okay, so our crapverts. Twister. I don't know what. She's coming. <laughs> okay. What kind of game do you think this is? <laughs> is it Discs of Tron versus Medusa? I honestly have no idea. So we've got... It's, at the top it says she's coming, and then there's everyone's favourite 80s effects in the word Twister, which is a, oh, yes. which is a gradient... Chromium. La- gra- gradient landscaping. Yeah. Terrible. It's got triangles again, of course, as well. With, with, yeah, well, it's a, I think it's a diamond. Oh, it's geometry, a, it's, a, it's a diamond, yeah, isn't it? With, with lines in the background. But then the central image... Has some kind of grid. I don't know whether it's Breakout or or Discs of Tron, but there's a basically there's a woman's some kind of medusary type woman. She's got really bright yellowy orange hair, and one side and a, and a close of her face and an her and her arms. Her body is just a sort of particle effects of light, but one half of her is green, and the other half is flesh coloured. And then there's a it's all in some kind of weird grid type thing, sort of 3D grid. It is. And there's a silver surfer type figure throwing an egg at her, a silver egg. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what, what. I don't. I can't. And then where twister means nothing. I don't. None of it fits. No, none of it fits. <laughs> into, what more can you say about it? I can't. 
Is it, 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 what, what, what kind of game is this? What is it? I don't know. It doesn't fit. <laughs> I don't know what it is. What baffles me is it's a System 3 game. It's got that weird dog tag, yeah. base relief, scratched. I don't know what you call it. It is a dog tag, literally a dog tag logo. Mm-hmm. But it's just, there's a, I don't know, there's all sorts of video gamey stuff in there, isn't there? Yeah. There's the grid. There's the guy flinging a disc. There's the Tapau singer. <laughs> Painted green. And you're in space. I thought it was more Hazel yeah. O'Connor. <laughs> There's a bit of that. Why it's in the middle of that page as opposed to sort of taking up the whole page. So it's on kind of a lined paper background with geometry written on it. I don't get it. These adverts have this weird tendency to do that. And the she's coming means nothing. It means nothing. Why is the top of the line sort of thing? Why has everything else got this kind of surrounding like bar, you know, gradient bar, like as it's got something, but then the top is like some kind of watery effect. It makes no sense. I don't understand. And why is it called Twister? Why is the red diamond behind them got a drop shadow, but nothing else has, apart from the Twister sort of graphic thing? It doesn't matter. It makes no sense anyway. Um, <laughs> she's coming. If there's a source of light, it should probably apply to everything on there. doesn't matter. <laughs> just Let's just erase it from time and space. Are you going back again? Well, I'm not going for that one because I don't understand it. It's a bit of a waste of time machine trouble. And you know what? As much as I hate that kind of effect, the twister writing is kind of intriguing. The she's coming a bit stupid. None of that makes sense. But the twister, but make more of that. I think all the elements are okay. Just none of them fit together. That's what I can't get. I don't know why the the twister bit doesn't fit. The writing, the gradient fill, you know, the, the girl... Is semi-realistic in you know in, in what it looks like mm. the the silver surfer guy. Why is he throwing an egg at her? What's the sort of you know the grid thing? Why is it in space? Ugh, I don't know. It's not a good advert. Yeah, it's crazy. No, it's not. No. And the next one. God knows what the game's going to be like. <laughs> the next one straight straight from the pages of Spartacus Weekly. <laughs> is, uh, well, this is what made me laugh with this is this is like the comic TLDR of the film Gladiator. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is gladiator from domark so uh, i don't know this is a series of comic panels explaining the life of a gladiator so in the first one he's being you know he's a slave being whipped and it says it's not much fun being a slave so then he became a gladiator so then i trained like mad to be a gladiator i was shaking life a leaf like a leaf in my first fight but i soon got the knack and there he is hacking someone to bit and then the thumbs up yeah. meant i was the emperor's champion so he's killed someone and he's got the thumbs up and then it says my freedom at last but can you beat me? Oh, so I'm not you. No, was, you're not that guy. I was expecting to be that guy. No, you're not that <laughs> guy. I? You're the guy that's got to beat that guy. Well, oh, am I another slave? None of this. None of the, none of this is relevant to my game. <laughs> no, no screen shots from the game, and you've got to choose from 45 weapons. Uh, so. Yeah, choose from 45 weapons. That's in really. That's like oh, we need to add the details down the bottom. <laughs> They've clearly got a professional comic artist to do that it looks like roy uh, roy the rovers could be there's no there's no signature on there is there's nobody's claimed not it. that i can see but it looks like roy the rovers style of well, comic i think there is one on the bottom left panel maybe when he stood in triumphantly teabagging oh, the guy man, that's some that's some good um that's some good uh, loincloth bulge in it it is and i think that there's a signature <laughs> on that one but i don't know who that would be it's i actually quite like the comic book style of the advert uh, yeah i don't mind um, the comic book as I much just, as it's kind of crazy it just made me but laugh it just says nothing about the game nothing and it's nothing about you no no it's not it's it's, it's not you that's playing you're gonna have to face <laughs> that guy 
What a strange, I mean, it's a strange way of advertising a game, I suppose, because again, there is literally nothing about the game there at all. I do like as well in the uh, the green panels, it essentially looks like they're doing dance moves, especially the guy in the bottom, <laughs> the bottom left when he's attacking him with his net. Again, he's got really good loincloth bulge going on. He's proper bulging the loin there. <laughs> There's some really bulging. <laughs> Full-on bul- bulging of the loin. So, full-on cloth stretching. Do you know what he looks like a little bit? He looks a bit like, um, do you know the film Happy Gilmore? He looks a bit like shooting the Gavin. <laughs> True. That one where he stood at, stood atop his foe at the bottom sort of thing. He looks like he's got an orange in his pant. He's very pleased about his victory, <laughs> isn't like he? There's, there's something hanging down that's just incredibly heavy. Dangling. He's got two dangling stalks coming out of his... He's got two threads... <laughs> Out of the wall. And it looks like it's <laughs> and it and he's he's clearly farted out a rose as well. In the background. So it's just like out comes a couple of roses. Uh, and he's got his dangly tea bags out there. He's got his freedom at last, but, but can uh, you beat me? Well, and the other thing is with this sort of thing, it says, why would you need to beat him if he's got his freedom? He's no longer a gladiator. That's true. And again, there's a signature on that panel as well on the side. I'd like to know who that is, actually. I don't know. Yeah, interesting. It'd be great if there was more to that comic strip. I'd like, I think I want to read more about Gladiator <laughs> and, and the comic strip. You know, that, that is, it is Spartacus slash, you know, in the commando it's, style. It's Roy, Roy, quite cool. Roy the Gladiators. Well, when I say commando style, I don't mean he's like sans pants because he's fully <laughs> panted. He's, he's massively panted. He is serious about his pants. So, <laughs> yep. That dance move from that one in the red pants in the third panel. He's yeah, great. Absolutely. I love him. So, and you can write, you can get more information about that game just by sending eight, <laughs> nine quid off to him. That looks like you want more information, just write in closing nine quid and we'll, you know, maybe we'll reply. Who knows what that's for? <laughs> also, you can give us your credit card number. <laughs> yeah, he's going to do that. <laughs> well, back in the day, honestly. Credit cards were very rare back in 1986. How, I was going to say, how did credit card fraud happen back then when people were just posting their credit card details <laughs> on bits of paper and sending them out there in the world. Well, what, did you, what did you give me it for, sort of thing? Well, I just wanted to know more about gladiators. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and now you do. <laughs> okay. Gladiators were expensive. <laughs> okay, so our, our final crap, uh, and we're in racially insensitive territory again. Oh, aren't we just... This is awful, my gosh. So, Microgen, aren't they the people that brought us everyone's a wally i think so yeah i don't i think this might be a, a, another another wally one i'm not sure just no 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 <laughs> no yeah no. just so this is okay so this is three weeks in paradise but i've not played it so i think it's a spectrum game um i've got a feeling in back of my head this is a wally spin-off or something it might be i think that is wally from everyone's a wally, yeah so he's obviously gone on holiday to africa and obviously because it's africa we have a couple of tribal people, should we say, one of them who's um, represented fully on jumping up with a, a massive bone through his nose because, of course, that, that's, that's what they're all wearing in 1980s Africa. Uh, the other one is picking the pocket of, what is is that a child down in the middle? I don't he's know. He's pulling his pants down. He's pulling his pants down and st- about to stick his finger somewhere by the looks of it, or he's stuck his finger and he's about to sniff it. I don't know. That could be that, but that's Jack the Nipper, isn't it? That's the character I think so. He doesn't, look too, he doesn't look too happy about whatever's just happened. There's, there's no. something and very there's bad. There's a woman cocoon there with her boobs trussed y- yeah, and a, tightly. And a, and a snake right next to her in some kind of you know weirdness with a, yeah, we- looking at her like, with a, just... with a weird yellow dongle, dangle, sack. sack. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really, really bad. You'd think, like, 1986, 
we were kind of past well we, you know we were past like blackface and all that kind of stuff and nonsense and then you get adverts like this and it's like oh, it's just a bit fun it's like no it's really not no it's not why is the character of Wally become a cyclops just that curiosity <laughs> I think that's just how they <laughs> I don't know I don't know he's a cyclops he's got one he's eye got with one, one eye. people he's a cyclops <laughs> don't know and he's only got I don't get it he's only got four fingers as well if you if you actually take it at face value racial craziness aside from the awful image in the top right there with the whatever it is the fact that you've got a, a cyclops being menaced by a snake holding a testicle <laughs> is weird in of itself let alone the fact that he's trust some woman upside down tied her up Boobs kind of revealed a little bit there, cleavage poking out. There's a guy who has clearly just fingered a, a child, a bottom, and a fingered a child's bottom and smelled. It's what is going on? Why? What is going on in the Western sense of Bracknell Berkshire that makes them think that that game and that advert for that game is anything other than awful? Surely at the time, I mean, I know that the 80s were kind of, we were all, everything was a bit different. Obviously, everything was different than with many years ago, but. Even then, I can't imagine that this sat well with the general folk, surely. Don't think anyone cared. No, no, we weren't progressive at the time, were we? But at the no. same time, we knew we knew things. I don't think that would have sat right with us even then. When we saw the advert, we, when we, I don't remember seeing it, actually. So it might have just been in Sinclair Spectrum magazines. I don't think it came out in the 64. It might have been in CMV, I, might have been in CMVG or something. Probably it's a Spectrum yeah, game. Yeah, Totally, but I don't remember see, seeing adverts of that type and thinking everything's okay about that. I don't remember seeing it, but I, I think if I'd have seen it at the time, I can't imagine myself being wholly happy about the fact that there's a, a person of colour there being represented in such a derogatory, derisory, racist manner. And it's just wrong, that. It's just wrong, wrong, wrong. Why? See, this this weird, though. We were such weird times back then. Yep. Goodness me. Microgen. It is a Wally game, isn't it? It is. I'm, I'm pretty sure it is. I mean, I mean, I could I feel sad for them, really. I mean, no, they probably. It's a game made of its time by people of its time in the world of its time, and 30 years down the line, it's easy to look back in retrospect and pick it apart for all of the crazy racial nonsense that it is. But I would argue that there are sometimes images in these things that are just wrong then, and they're wrong as wrong as they would be any time. And that idea of that tribalism... Well, it gets worse sort of thing. It is the last action-adventure platform game from the Wally Week series. The Weeks family are trapped on a tropical island inhabited by cannibals. So, of course, they the tribal people there have to be cannibals as well. Yeah, right. It gets even worse. Just not right. Yeah. Um, it's not right. And it will be more of the same stuff. So 40 screens to the left, pick up egg. 40 screens to the right, put egg in non-egg thing. You know, it's rubbish. Yeah, dreadful. A dreadful advert. I, I really didn't like that sort of thing just for well, nope. obvious bloody reasons, Awful. really. Ugh. Yep. Anyway, right. So there you go. Yep. There's, your, there's your crap verts, quite literally. What was going on? This is the... C64 Top 10 from Computer and Video Games. Just quickly, we have uh, number 10, Monty on the Run. Uh, number 9, Who Dares Wins 2. Yep. Number 8, They Sold a Million. Uh, it yet. Well, that's um, that's a compilation, I think. Oh, is it? Yeah, I think it's a compilation okay. of games that sold a million. Oh, okay. Or, hey, what's or, in that compilation? Do we I know? Don't, I, don't, I don't know. Uh, I could look it up, but, you know, that would include typing. Summer Games 2, number 7. Fight Night at number 6. Little Computer People at number 5. The Last V8 at number 4. Rambo at number 3. Commando at number 2. And Winter Games at number 1, according to Computer and Video Games. And for completeness, they sold a million was Sable Wolf, Decathlon, Jet Set Willy, and... 
Beachhead. Oh, there you go. Did they sell a million? Maybe they did. According to Commodore User, at number 10, new in is Mercenary, which we haven't looked at yet, which I think might be next month. No. Number 9 is Summer Games 2. Good game. Number 8 is the Arcade Hall of Fame. Uh, Another compilation. They sold a million at number 7, Last V8 number 6, Fight Night, Little Compute People, Winter Games, and then straight in at number two and number one respectively is rambo and commando mm, battle of the themes yeah it's all about the running upwards and shooting at this point in time which is <laughs> you know what you do that's what we've got so in this episode of zapped to the past we looked at the following games we looked at uh what did we look at we looked at the idol on friday the 13th Rev's Blade Runner, that's the game of the music, not the game of the film. We looked at Desert Fox, One Bite Too Deep, Space Pilot 2, and Zorro. Coming up in in the next, when we cover the next lot of games in the next couple of episodes, we've got Ark of Yesod, follow-up to mm. Node. We've got Borrowed Time, Critical Math, uh, Dragon Skull, which is the next Arthur Pendragon one, the one I completely forgot about. Enigma Force, which is the sequel to Shadowfire. What else we got? Hardball, which would be interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kane, you remember? Oh, Kung Fu Master. Oh, dear. Uh, we oh, do God. have Mercenaries next month. Nightshade. Mm-hmm. Quake Minus One. We also have Euridium. Oh, my God. Souls of Darkon is in there. Yeah, it's a text adventure. So we won't be looking at that. Yabba Dabba Doo. Uh, and that's it. I think there's some others as well we'll be looking at. So I think the number of games is actually getting less, actually, as we go along each month. But that's what we've got coming up. Do you have any picks from this issue, Mr. Raddings? This issue? Yeah, in total sort of thing. So from both both lots. So all the games we've looked at. Yeah, I like... I mean, let's be fair. Rambo ain't a bad old crack, is it? And Bounder was all right. You can forget about Starion and outlaws fight night was pitched too far commando that's kind of the is it the is it the issue of the shoot 'em up i think really mm-hmm. there's nothing else really came close with all of those did it the surprise one really for me being that rambo was less good than i thought it was commando wasn't quite as good as i thought it was but bounder was actually perhaps a bit of a refreshing breeze yeah i mean i'll stick in probably if i was going to stick three in it would be probably be Desert Fox, the Eidolon, and Bounder. Yeah, sounds to reason. And possibly at a push, Rambo for the music. Yeah, because I was going to say, the good thing is, of course, we're in February. All the busy game designers of 1986 are all at home in winter, coding <laughs> furiously in their sheds. So we know that uh, the games might not be quite as good in March, but come April, May, June, there's some crackers going to be released. Uh, so. Let's hope so. Let's hope there's no one bite, is, one more, one bite, two deeps. No. We'll get there. We will. So on that note, thank you very much for listening. Um, I've been Adrian Mills. I have been Graham Reddings. We've been Zapped to the Past. You can get us on Twitter at, at Zapped to the. You can get us on Facebook at Zapped to the Past page and group. You can just come and have a chat and messages there. You can get us on Instagram at, at Zapped to the Past. You can email us at Zapped to the Past at gmail.com. Or you can come visit the website and have a look at the crap birds and any other nonsense we might put up. Uh, just simply Zapped to the Past.com. And with that note, I will say goodbye for this week and we'll see you again next week. Thank you for listening to the Zapped to the Past podcast. We hope you enjoyed our deep dive into the world of Commodore 64 games as well as the music, sights, sounds and news from around the 1980s, driven, of course, by the issue of Zap64 magazine published at the time. We will be back next week with another podcast, so do please join us. Until then, 
please head over to zaptothepast.com to sign up to our email list, as well as check out all the links and resources in the show notes. You will also find us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram under Zap to the Past. The Zap to the Past podcast is written and produced by Adrian Mills and Graham Raddings and recorded at Flaky Bits 2.0 Studio. All opinions expressed are those of the writers and while we indeed love Zap64 magazine, the Zap to the Past podcast is not affiliated with it in any way. Stay safe and see you next time.